Welcome to the Conscious Craft Podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Hannah. And we are two health coaches on a mission to create a happier world, one thought, one breath, and one bite at a time. We are kicking stress to the curb, and we're not going to take life so seriously. No, and we'd love for you to join, because we're all about community, and we want you to be a part of ours. So head over to the show notes and follow us on social media. We'd love to connect. So being an athlete, you know, we know on your social media, you talk about the power of the mind. How does that play out in your competitions? I mean, you're doing some dangerous stuff. 
I'm sure having a super sharp, focused mind is obviously imperative. Do you do any kind of training to work on your mind, or is it always, is it just been something that's been really natural for you? So, I never really, like, was conscious to that until a couple years ago, until I actually started, like, working on meditation and journaling and visualization type stuff. But, you know, from the start, like, there's this mindset that develops because to ride BMX or any kind of action sport or any sport in general, you accept injury as it's part of what you're doing. And so with BMX, you accept the fact that you may fall from really high to the ground and it's going to hurt and you may break a bone or two. Um, so this, this mindset piece, you know, from progressing from you know, the beginning to where I am now with BMX, it's like you learn these skills that you don't really know you're learning. And then now, you know, being older and reflecting, I'm like, oh, that makes sense why I think this way and why I developed this sense of, you know, dealing with fear and setting aside to do something because that's exactly what it is. Like, you trying a trick for the first time, all the emotions run through you because you, you know, you think about all the things you've seen, maybe you've tried it before and, you know, you've had an experience, but you think about that. And then that translates to life in general. So anyone can really relate to that. But with BMX, it's like, it's one of those things, just like anything, but like, you, you know, you think about what do you want to do? And so when fear pops in, you know, you choose. And that's why not everyone does every type of scary thing because you make a choice. Do you want to go through with what you're trying to do or what you're about to try? Or do you want to stay safe and do what you are? And then, you know, for me, I, I never wanted to live with regret, especially something I'm passionate about. So um, with that being said, it was kind of like a long answer. But uh, now I'm, you know, I'm more mindful of things now. I'm, I'm understanding how, you know, certain things work in the brain and, fear is one of those things where it's just like it's just to me it's just a choice um it's just a choice in what you're looking at and the perspective you're fostering so um i'm thankful that bmx taught me that and then now just i'm aware of it and conscious of it and try to share what i've learned absolutely i love that you said fear is a choice i think that's a very powerful statement how have you worked with dealing with your fear whether it comes from um starting a new trick trying a new trick or fear in life outside of bmx so anytime fear comes into the picture you know i just think about like where is this coming from mm -hmm. you know like ultimately what is my focus that's creating this emotion and this you know fear is an emotion and like then i just assess like do i want to give into that or do i want to you know do what i want to do so you know with, like i said like i relate everything back to bmx because it's just it's simple for me it's just easy and I, I know it and it's just like with a trick it's like fear pops in like what are you thinking and i do this with kids all the time now and they don't know what i'm doing but i'm like like hey josh i want to do this trick but i'm scared i'm like all right why are you scared oh because i tried it before or i saw you know so-and-so fall i'm like well why are you thinking about that why aren't you thinking about what you want to do well, what do you mean I'm like you want to do you know x y and z think about that and how it's going to feel to roll away from that trick, not what happens if you mess up. And they're like, oh, I never thought of that. And then I was like, yeah, so let's let's focus on it. How does that feel? Oh, it feels great. Well, why don't you try it? And then, you know, you assess from there. So when fear pops into the picture, now I've understood that. And so usually I look at fear as like, all right, that's got to be something I need to do though. Because it's like a good indicator that I'm not in a comfortable position and the things that I'm doing in my life aren't presenting like a fear that's negative. It's usually like, speaking in front of people for the first time like that was scary for me but I was like it's gonna do it you know yeah. uh, it's something I want to do so uh you know it goes back to fear is just a choice and the, my tattoo and what I love saying is fear is just a thought but thoughts can be changed 
and Love that it. goes into a method that my friend shared with me called the TEAR method, and it's an acronym for you know, thoughts, emotions, actions, and results, or I like to call it reality. Mm-hmm. So whenever you get an emotional response, whether it's good or bad, you know, however you label it, you can trace it back to your thoughts, and if you don't like it, change your thoughts, therefore you get a new emotional response, which will allow you to take a new action and then manifest a new you know, reality. So that's just uh, something I learned a couple of years ago. I wish I had learned it before, but you know, I love sharing that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. And you make a really good point on how our thoughts can create all kinds of emotions for us, not just fear. And the mm-hmm. stories that we attach to those emotions, especially. Uh, oh, yeah. You had mentioned meditation. Is that a practice that you do regularly to help you pay attention to your thoughts? Have you noticed? Any benefits with that practice? Um, so with meditation, I've uh, I've been on and off for the last year and a half, two years now. Um, I went through a period where I developed a morning routine. Well, that was the first thing I did. I use the app uh, Headspace. Just it helps me, and I would do that for like ten minutes just before I did anything. You know, I'd wake up, I drink water, go to the bathroom, all that stuff, and then I would take um, ten minutes to do the meditation. And then, uh, you know, I get like in and out of things. Like I don't like doing the same thing all the time and that may be resistance to structure because I do love structure but then I get bored of doing the same thing so I like to switch it up yeah uh, <laughs> I can <but> relate <laughs> yeah <laughs> so back in the summer I did this um it was 21 days or 30 days however it was I announced on Instagram so I could hold myself accountable like hey I'm gonna do this 21 day or 30 day meditation challenge where each day I'm gonna you know find a point in the day to sit down and do the meditation and what, what that allowed me to do was using the Headspace app, there's different like genres of you know, focuses you can pick. And I would just pick you know whatever one popped up and looked good. And it really allowed me to take the message of what they were sharing and for me to, to you know dive deep about how that showed up in my life one way or another presently or in the past and just kind of share about it. And I did that every day of the challenge, even if I was on an airplane or whatever it was. Um, so now it's just one of those things where I know like if I feel like I get a lot of anxiety or stress coming up for whatever reason it is, I know I've been slacking on you know taking some time to be mindful and you know, meditation helps with that. Um, something I've been hearing more about and more friends doing it is transcendental meditation. So I want to look more into that and go through. I think it's like you have to do like a three-day uh, training course before you can move on. But either way, I want to look into that. So um, yeah, meditation has been fairly new to me, but... I've always said like BMX was like my time to like meditate because it's the only time I've ever been able to shut off my brain for one focus. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Yeah. can totally see how that's a form of meditation. Well, yeah, and I think that's great to point out too because people often think about meditation as, you know, sitting down and just being with yourself. And I think just now the idea that you can be doing something else and still be in a meditative state is starting to come to light a lot more. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, that's what I love about the Headspace app. Like you have to, you don't have to, but they have like what they call the basic. Because so each, there's like packs in Headspace. Are you guys familiar with Headspace? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I started with too. Okay. So like, yeah, you do like basic packs one, two, and three. And in the beginning they teach you about like, I always thought meditation is you sit there, you be silent and you have no thoughts, take time, but that's the goal. And then the way Headspace, you know, worded it was like, you know, it's not about having no thoughts. It's about choosing what thoughts you want to give into. And, you know, otherwise just look at them when you drive by and do your thing. Mm-hmm. So doing that really helped me. But then, you know, it's just, 
to me, there's so many different forms of meditation. So anytime I can just like calm my mind down, have a singular focus, whether that's sitting there and breathing or it's riding or exercising with headphones and just listening to positive music that makes me feel good, mm-hmm. you know, just something that eases me and allows the anxieties and stresses and the worries to go away. So, I mean, to each their own, there's so many ways to do it, but I think that's what I like about it. It's just however it fits in your life. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So you, you have a very powerful story, Josh. So about 10 years ago, you found out that you had a massive tumor on your brain. Um, would you mind talking to us about that and how that affected your life and the process in realizing that? Yeah, so I was 17 when I actually dropped out of high school and moved uh, from Cape Cod, Mass to Greenville, North Carolina to train with big Dave Muir and my other uh, favorite pros I looked up to to have a, you know, I was competing professionally at that time, but I knew if I wanted to progress, I had to be where the best were using the best ramps and training facilities. So I did that, and I had a lot of success for the next couple of years. I was riding X Games, I was riding all these international contests, I was on TV, making money, I was sponsored, all this stuff, and I was just living the life, you know, literally living my dream. But along the way, you know, I'm living on my own now. I'm, I'm 17 at this point, moving into, you know, my early 20s, and I'm living in Greenville, North Carolina. For those who don't know, it's the home of East Carolina University, a big party town, uh, college town. And, you know, I'll, although I didn't go to class, you know, I lived the, the nightlife and then trained and rode throughout the day. Uh, so I'm also living off of, you know, processed foods and just soda because it's cheaper than water. I'm drinking at a young age and drinking more than I probably should have been all and uh you know just living this like poor health lifestyle if you can call it that like just junk food basically like nothing was really like i think the closest thing i had to real food was when i went out to sushi or if i had lettuce on something you know like yeah everything yeah. else was just you know crap and uh you know so through 2009 uh so my year riding x games um so it was 2006 and seven somewhere around that time frame where i actually moved and then that's a long story of how I actually moved. But uh, in 2009, I rode X Games for the first time. I turned 20 that November. Throughout that whole year, I've been having these debilitating headaches and migraines to where I throw up. I was losing my vision, you know, periodically throughout the months. Um, go away, come back, start getting worse throughout the year. And sometimes my friends had to drive me in because it was so severe to the emergency room, urgent care, and all that stuff. And having these classic brain tumor symptoms and asking for a scan. And them telling me, no, you don't need a scan, you know, you're young, you're fit, you're healthy, you just have headaches, take these pain pills, go home, come back and give me more. Wow. Although I left with a prescription, I never took them because I had a traumatic experience when I was younger where they made me throw up a bunch, and so I just always had that in my mind and never took them. The last time I went in, it was so bad that I took them on the way home, and it was the first and only time I've ever projectile vomited in a car. I was luckily in the passenger seat, but it was so bad that we had to pull over. It just wouldn't stop, and then I just started throwing up just nothing but blood and just, like, freaking out because I think I'm dying, and I'm, like, you know, just on the side of the road, like, in this pool of blood, and then, you know, doctor told me I'm fine, so I go home and just shake it off and, um, you know, get back to riding randomly a couple days later because my vision's okay, pain's not as bad, and I'm trying a new trick in the foam pit, and I do a bunch, feel really good, go and try on the real ramp. At the time, we didn't have, like, the middle ramp now that we have it added ramp basically we just had the foam pit or the real ramp so you do in the foam you feel good you gotta do on the ramp mm-hmm. and i overcompensated the rotation because the ramp was different and i was afraid of under rotating ironically over rotated landed on my side whiplash hit my head now i had to get an mri 
and that's when they accidentally diagnosed me with it was like eight or so centimeters long by four wide and four deep like just pushing into my brain just on the left side oh, and wow. uh, so that was that was when i got diagnosed the doctor told me like yeah if you want a shot at living you need to have it taken out immediately but you'll probably never ride again and it'll be a while so you can get back to doing normal things and then just everything just shut down for me and i actually ran out and i remember what they were saying i didn't think i heard it um, i just heard you'll probably never ride your bike again and i that was it and then on top of that i thought cancer right away from brain tumor i thought i was dead right. uh, regardless it was cancer it's benign it didn't matter i was told that brain tumor and uh, by myself because i was just going in for a concussion report and then come back and you know told that i'm you know in my mind i'm about to die soon so that was the first time i was diagnosed and yeah i was just living the dream and then yeah kind of came to an end for a second wow that must have just completely jolted your whole existence at the time yeah, I mean, you know, people talk about out-of-body experiences, whether it's through meditation, psychedelics, or just some kind of experience. Well, that was, like, the first time I've ever felt like I was, like, not there, but I was conscious. And it just was those words, brain tumor, and then the sentence, you'll probably never ride your bike again. And I just shut down and just, the best way I can word it was just, like, a roller coaster of emotions that just, like, I just felt shocked. Like, I just felt broken. There's only one other time I felt that way. not like oh a breakup or you know i failed the test it's like it's literally when nothing like like nothing else could be worse in that moment than what just happened and i don't even know if that does it justice but yeah regardless yeah. i just yeah just felt broken and then you know um, collected myself over the next couple of days and thankfully I had a great support system of friends and pro riders and then um, you know, of course my family came out from mass in south carolina to, to visit for surgery and all that stuff and, with a great doctor at Duke University is the Google said he was the top neurosurgeon in the world which was confirmed and then we met and yeah job done it's amazing to go through something like that I mean it, like you said there's really no words for it because you are totally jolted and wondering is this life and so then you you went in and you got surgery right away recovered pretty quickly from yeah, the surgery like three weeks later I think Really? Two, two or three weeks? Yeah, because Dr. Friedman actually moved his schedule around to get me in sooner than some other patients he had that weren't as, as bad of a case as mine, I guess, because it was so large. And um, at that point, I, I was like, there was no days where my vision was okay. It was just like, you know, you wake up in the morning, sometimes your eyes feel foggy, like you rub them and it doesn't go away, you do it again and it goes away. Yeah. It was like that days on end, and like I couldn't see, like it was like worse than that, but it was like that same concept. But it, right. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, 10 times better than the, like, 
relocate for a different ride on the bike. Yeah. Did you did you experience any fear when you got onto the bike after going through that ex- that experience? Um. So from what I remember, uh, the only fear was hitting my head, and that was on and off the bike. You know, especially during the recovery period, which I actually did three times. Oh. Um, just like bumped it, you know, off like because after your brain's manipulated like that, it's like things are, you know, your um, depth perception's a little off and things like that. So yeah. just something simple like hitting my head, you know, um, off the bed or like the bed frame or like getting into my car, just like kind of tapping it on the top, like nothing crazy. Right. It's fine, but it right. freaked me out. For sure. that, was, that was one of the fears and that actually stayed with me the next couple of years uh, confidence wise in my riding because even though I was doing the tricks because I knew I could do them and I was practicing bumped it uh, to relearn them again it was still like this like oh, if I fall on my head you know I don't know what's gonna happen course, so yeah. it wasn't until like two years later where I was like fully confident in what I was already doing and then could do and progress so I actually started progressing more after surgery just because I was more confident once I got over that fear of you know, hitting my head yeah I can imagine well so and then a couple of years after that a few years after that you got another call when you were in India right and found out that you had more tumors growing yeah so like I said April 16 2010 was the surgery and then it was September of 2012 I was in India doing demos and I had gone in for an MRI before that trip, just a routine checkup, mm-hmm. and the report came back that because of that uh, artery and optic nerve complications, they couldn't risk hitting like hitting either of them to get all the cells. So it was just like it was said to be a residual growth from the cells that were left over, but it was one um, about the size of the blueberry they said on the front and the back of the brain, at the same location that the original tumor was on. And they, they said it wasn't a risk, you know, so I was like, should I come home? Like, I'm still like, here in India, like, should I, and they're like, no, it's fine. And it kind of made sense because it looked like there was like a fraction, like a very small fraction of the original tumor size. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Friedman said, you know, no worries, just uh, we're going to have to look into some radiation because, you know, having the surgery isn't, you know, going to yield the same results because we still can't hit it, you know. So if they're growing back because of it, there's no, you know, it's not worth the risk of opening your skull up again, potentially hitting the optic nerve or your artery. You can, you know, bleed out, die, be paralyzed, you have a stroke, all sorts of things. Um, so I, I went to Google again, you know, uh, found a form of radiation called gamma knife radio uh, treatment, which is not even like traditional radiation. Uh, the best way I can put it is it's like 180 degrees of radio wave beams where they use a computer to pinpoint the area they want to target for treatment, and it basically saps it. But what's cool thing about gamma knife is it doesn't uh, damage surrounding tissue. That's why they use so many different beams of radiation, so or radio waves. So that way, it doesn't damage surrounding tissue. And then the point where they do uh, target, they come together, and then they're powerful enough to treat the area. So if you do need to have, you know, gamma knife treatment again in that same area, you can. Unlike traditional radiation, it's so damaging and toxic that you can't. Um, so went through with that, and it's painless. You don't feel anything. You don't hear anything. It's like an MRI, but like without the annoying noise. Wow. You just lie down, you go into this little tube and it does its thing and listen to some music and you come out and then, yeah. Um, so for me, uh, the tumor has shrunk for four years and they've been stable every day, ever, ever since. So going on two and a half, three years now, they've been stable. So it's like best case scenario for someone like myself. And then it was that time where I started getting more into nutrition, holistic health and really auditing the choices I was making. And after 2010 and that surgery, I started making a lot of changes, but not 
not that much, you know. Um, so some significant changes, but I'm still drinking and eating crap food and all that stuff. So um, moving into 2013 is actually when I, uh, a friend gave me Dr. David Perlmutter's book, Brain Drain. And then after that is when I went on, you know, Google again and found the uh, Institute for Integrative Nutrition and reached out to some people and they had nothing but great things to say about it. So I, uh, at the time, emptied my bank account and enrolled and, yeah, just kind of changed my life, that book and that program because it introduced me to other people that were guest speakers too that now I, you know, mm-hmm. come to love and learn from. So it was sweet. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's that's the program that Hannah and I both went through um, to become health coaches. And I know for me, it definitely changed my life too. It just completely opens up your eyes to the world of nutrition that we're living in versus the world of nutrition that we can be living in. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I don't know if it's the same anymore or how they run it, but like the beginning of my uh, like the program that I was in for the year that I was in the program, uh, Josh starts uh, with one of the videos or his live, I forget how it worked, but he was like, we're here at IAN, we're not here to teach you what to think, we're here to teach you how to think. So as you know, like they, they throw so many conflicting you know, mm-hmm. dietary theories at you with all these well-known speakers in their field and it drove me crazy until towards the end where I was like, oh, I see what they did now, I understand what he said. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, it just uh, it introduced me to so many different people, and they were advocating for different things. But I just kind of navigated what made sense to me. And I think reading Brain Brain going into that, and Dr. Perlmutter's like work centered around blood sugar levels, and then correlating to brain health, that gave me a different perspective than just like if I was in there without that, I would have been like, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense. And um, it just worked out well for me because of that. I was able to think for myself and navigate what my priorities were and then what made most sense for that based on the research that I was doing and then you know, the literature coming out and stuff like that. So what do you do now to take care of your brain health? Uh, so now, before I share that, the reason I got into what I'll share is 2017, February to be exact, uh, another routine MRI showed two new tumors on the opposite side of my brain, leaving me with four today. So in the IAN, I got introduced to Mark Sisson, who advocates for a paleo primal approach to life um, and eating. And he was talking about this high fat, low carb thing that Dr. Perlmutter's book was all about. Um, Dr. Perlmutter also talked about a ketogenic lifestyle and it it didn't really resonate with me at the time. Mm -hmm. Now going back, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense, what Mm -hmm. I'm doing today. But uh, getting introduced to Mark Hyman and Mark Sisson in that program, it's all about lowering your blood sugar levels and what it can do for your brain and your body. So then moving forward into February 2017, the third diagnosis, I'd already been learning about the ketogenic diet. I'd already been learning about these things, and I was like, man, this is time to implement this full on and learn more. And so I did that, and then uh, at the end of the year, a follow-up MRI showed no progression of those two new tumors. And then now I've just become, you know, with learning about the ketones specifically, the ketogenic diet and the lifestyle that goes with it. So like we talked about mindset, meditation, there's specific exercises that you can do that can harm or hurt your brain and therefore your body and your goals. So, um, you know, in short today, I follow a ketogenic diet, um, the lifestyle that goes with it. I don't like to say diet because I feel like it's such a misunderstood word in today's society. So ketogenic diet, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. and then I figured out what works best for me and how to implement that. And then that's kind of, yeah, I mean, I kind of, it's directly what I specialize in with my health coaching and, um, 
you know, using it as a tool or a lifestyle for people, depending on you know what their goals are. I mean, that's pretty incredible that you've had this obviously amazing journey, and you were able to turn around and now teach others what you're learning and offer this transformation to others through your own experiences. In this process, did you first turn to nutrition? particularly after that third diagnosis? Was it nutrition and then kind of the mindset? Yeah, it started, so when I was like, when I got back to riding in 2010, at the end of the year, so that was in April, the surgery, and then throughout the end of the year, a friend, he was like, oh, I know you love documentaries, and you're always on Netflix, check out this one, it's called Food Medics. I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know if a lot of the things make sense to me anymore, or like, that I agree with or not, I don't, I don't know, but I do know at that time, the way they presented the information, it clicked for me and it made so much sense that what I'm doing to my body internally and externally is probably what caused the brain tumor. Like I said, I was drinking a lot at a young age. You know, I moved out there around 17. I got into the party lifestyle at an early age. Maybe not as early as some other people I've talked to, friends, but um, mm-hmm. either way, you know, 17 is you know, way too, what is it? Brain doesn't start to uh, stop developing until like 23, 24. So right. that's like right. killing my brain. <laughs> on top of all the sugar I was eating and all the stress and all the crap. Um, so that really sparked the idea of this nutrition piece that started as fear. It, it was fear, it was one, guilt that I created this mess. Um, and then two, fear that I didn't want to come back. You know, I'm, I'm back riding again, I'm traveling. You know, like, I don't want to come back. And then 2012 was another wake-up call, like, hey, you need to do some more. Like, it wasn't enough. It's still coming back. Like, whether that's true or not, it, that's what it was for me. It was another mm-hmm. wake-up call. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was like beginning in 2014, I went to IAN. So, yeah, nutrition was first. And then in 2015, uh, February 2000, no, 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 not 2015, 2013, um, February 2013, so a couple months after Gamma Knife, I blow up my knee at a contest, torn ACL and a whole bunch of injury report. I had nine other things wrong with my knee. But after Gamma Knife, I filmed a video to let the BMX community know I wasn't going anywhere. There was a lot of talk about, you know, this and that. And it was, at the time, the best video I'd ever put out. And it was the most viewed videos on the BMX websites that year. And so I had a lot of hype, a lot of people talking, and I was, like, just amped up for this contest. I was practicing. I was training, like, all this stuff. And I got a little carried away. I did something I probably didn't need to do at the time because it was still qualifying. And um, either way, I put my foot out. You know, long story short, blew out my knee. And that is when I got into fitness. Mm. And it wasn't until 2015, why I messed up with that, that I actually had the surgery. So I rode two years on and off with a brace, suffering multiple times where I tweaked it again. And then I got into, you know, working out with my friends who were really into it. And I never thought I needed to because I rode all the time. But then now I've learned you have to do purposeful movement outside of your sport if you want to be a professional athlete and sustain it. So uh, second was fitness. Mm-hmm. And then throughout you know, 2016, the beginning of 2016, um, or the end of 2015, I met a good friend of mine who has been going, he, you know, he's in his mid-40s, and he uh, has been going through a lot of different life coaching programs and learning about the subconscious and this and that, sharing it with me. And he was really coaching me with the mind and was really uncovering all these subconscious blocks I had in my life to anything that I thought was possible, whether it was with finances or relationships or success to whatever degree and then we both learned about um, I think he found Dr. Joe Dispenza and then shared his work with me 
he is. Are you guys familiar with him? Oh yeah, we love Joseph. Yeah, <laughs> huge you know, fan. He's all about the subconscious programming and down to a quantum, you know, physics level. And mm-hmm. so that's just what started. And I was like, man, this is insane. Like, and at the beginning, when Dave, uh, his name Dave, my friend, when he was trying to share subconscious versus conscious with me, it took me a minute. I was like, I don't understand this. And then I started, and then I rewent, you know, through uh, Dr. Dispenza's course that we were in, and I was like, oh, this is crazy. This makes so much sense. You know, and since then, I found different people, like uh, Kerwin Ray is one of my favorites, too, that um, if you guys aren't familiar with him, I would check him out. Uh, but he, are you guys familiar with Gary Vee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like an Australian version, they, they say. He's like an Australian version of Gary Vee, but he's like a lot more uh, into the science of the mind and the hormones and the peptides and all these things oh, and cool. how they all affect but he's like a successful business owner. He's got his own version of a D-Rock, and he's all over social media. But um, we actually did a podcast together, so I was fortunate enough to meet him, one of my, you know, I call him like online mentors. But uh, it was him, too. He asked me that same question. I was like, man, the mind came last. But this is what I do with my clients, too. And with everything, it's everything I post, for the most part, on social media is pretty much mindset. Yeah. But the first piece I think is most important is mindset. And I didn't know that that's what I was, that skill, I, I think of it as a skill. I was developing that this whole time, but I wasn't conscious of it until, you know, the last three years of my life. But I think that's the most important thing because it's everything. It's, it's the reason why people fail or succeed. It's, it's the mind. It's the stories they tell themselves. It's what they were programmed at a young age. And um, there's another woman, uh, her name is on Instagram, it's uh, Dr. Nicole, but her name is The period holistic period psychologist mm-hmm. we had her on our podcast too oh wow awesome yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've, been, I've been connecting with her the last couple of months and she's phenomenal as well. amazing she yeah. just pumps out so much awesome information yeah it's great i love following it uh all the stuff that she puts out and i, I just told her i was it this morning or yesterday i was like man we need to get together soon collaborate on some stuff because i love what you're doing it's way more advanced than i know and but i think that we can contribute some stuff to help people so it's not yeah, yeah, sure. Totally. Totally could. Well, and that kind yeah. of comes full circle to what you were saying in the beginning when you have a kid that's asking you about doing a trick, but they're being afraid of falling or whatever the case may be, and you're teaching them, actually, what if you envision you actually succeeding, and how does that feel? So that's all the mindset that ties right back into it all. Yeah, you guys are familiar with Dr. Dispenza, so you know, like, your emotions create an atomic, like, reaction, and, mm-hmm. you know, your, your cells actually tighten up, and, you know, people say, like, oh, like, I feel weighed down, and I'm so stressed, and it's like, it actually shows that, like, how that works, so it's, like, really interesting, uh, and, of course, like, a 16-year-old kid is not going to want to hear what you have to say about that, but <laughs> you can spin it and, like, work with them in different areas, For you sure. know, trying to change the language, and they're like, oh, I get that, but, yeah, it's like, those emotions create a reaction inside of us, and it's like that's how our biology works inside. And so, if you can change that biology, then therefore you're gonna feel better, and you're gonna you're gonna want to do new things. And like he always talks about, it. he's like, you know, instead of going left out of your neighborhood to go to work, even if it's inconvenient or inconvenient, go right, and you may have a whole new experience. You know, and so you know him, he's always about the experience, like you know, the yeah. experience. You know? So um, it's really it's really profound, you know, and it just it takes that that you know that doing that action to really experience it and then consistency and that's the key to everything consistency but to the mind especially because your ego wants to step in and keep you safe and doesn't want you to do new stuff no sit on the couch it's all right yeah exactly don't go out and try to pursue something you're already doing you know so um 
Exactly. Yeah, we love his work so much. And that something that we talk about is, like you said, you develop those chemical reactions and you become almost addicted to them. And most people don't know that. You physically become addicted to stress hormones. So it's just a, a loop that you're stuck in. So like you said to your point, it takes work and consistent work to work through these these things and break through the blocks and get out of your com- comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So do you think that that all, that your mindset started shifting a lot after a specific point? Was it a specific point either in IIN? Was it a specific point after you found out the news about the tumors coming back? Was there a, a, like a turning point for you that you noticed? <laughs> I'll tell you my answer in my head and it sounds weird saying, but it doesn't even sound cliche to me. But yeah, the day I was told I was going to die is when my perspective shifted. And it wasn't like one certain way other than I wanted to fight for my life. Yeah. Um, it was a perspective of like, no, I don't want this to happen. What else can I do? Like that problem solving. And that's like why I share what I share because I feel like 90 something percent of the population, what is it, like 93, um, aren't genetically, you know, uh, how would I word this? Like they're not going to get X, Y, Z disease or, you know, negative reaction because they're genetics. It's the choices they're making. So 90 something percent of us, I'm not going to put a real number because I'm not sure, but, um, we, like that majority has an opportunity to change the outcome of their life one way or another. It's not up to, oh, my genes and my destiny. No, that's not true because epigenetics shows us that. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why I follow the ketogenic diet is because of the epigenetic effects of it and them saying, oh, you have a genetic disorder that's creating these benign tumors. They're not cancerous, but they're still popping up because you're genetic. And that's when I got serious about changing what I eat. So when my perspective changed on life, it was being told, I just turned 21 living my dream, you're going to die unless you have your skull cut open, which you could still die. And it, the perspective changed to two things. One, I'm going to do what I can to preserve my life. And then two, I'm grateful that I'm alive and have that opportunity. And then that hit again this summer when my brother passed. And I was like, damn, like, I'm, I'm still here. I've gone through some stuff. Like, like this is insane because he's three and a half years younger than me and he's no longer here. And that's a common thing. Like, not everyone wakes up every day. And that's what, I mean, if you've seen my Instagram stories, I put up a thing that my friend created for me that says, uh, you know, no matter what you're going through, shit could always be worse. Mm-hmm. It's because if you're, you're, if you're reading this, if you're hearing this conversation, if you're breathing, it doesn't matter what your reality is. The fact that you're alive and that you have an opportunity to better yourself, whether it's just a perspective change, that's everything. Like, you've won if you're alive. Like, that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, perspective, I think, is everything. And that, that really was shown to me in 2010 when I was told I was going to die and I had to go through surgery and then when I woke up it just enhanced it was just like uh, I could see people when they said I wouldn't be able to possibly I can move when they said that would be possible and I'm not in pain anymore which is amazing and then so yeah it was really really that moment that that sparked everything and of course there's been so many different events that have just you know strengthened that perspective and um, that um, yeah, perspective of gratitude you know no matter what I've gone through I've always you know, one one minute or you know one moment or another, you know, I've come out and been like, all right, I've learned something from this. What do I do? And then the third time I was diagnosed, uh, so almost two years ago now, it wasn't the victim mentality anymore. It wasn't like, oh, what did I do? Why? You know, this is so hard. It was just, what can I do to better myself with the situation and ultimately help people? And so I think the the second most profound perspective shift was that third diagnosis because 
that's when I stopped competing. It was because I was like, I was for my friend uh, to share with me, like off self on purpose. You know, now I'm on purpose, took a kick in the ass again, but I'm on purpose now to help people and competing's not doing that. So what else can I do? I still ride the same level. I can still compete, you know, take some conditioning work um, on a competition level, but it's ultimately what I love to do. So I'm using that as a vehicle to share my story, my message to help other people. So, um, so long story short, it was 2010 that it, it got me on the track of perspective of let me change what I'm doing to get a better outcome in my life. And then, you know, 2017, it was what can I do to help other people? Because I, I no longer want this journey to be about me. I want it to be about everyone. And I mean, you can look at that spirituality or whatever. You can, we're all connected. So it's really gave me clarity on my purpose really profound it's really profound definitely and a shift in perspective is where miracles can happen and nothing shifts your perspective more than traumatic experiences like you've been through so yeah <laughs> definitely does you know and I, and I share this too it's like when things happen good or bad you can look at it one route or another route you know and I typically refer to the bad things as you know you can look at it as you know what I call victimville or survivorship and so you can sit there and have a pity party and oh why me poor me what did I do blah 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 I did that I was there but that doesn't change anything mm -hmm. and if you're familiar with Gary Vee he always says and fill in the blank and like it doesn't mm -hmm. matter because yeah. someone else is going through what you're going through well if not worse yeah you're still alive you have a phone where you're listening to this or watching this so you can make the change and then you add all these pieces like Dr. Joe you know, Dr. Nicole, Gary Vee, Kermit Ray, like all like Simon Sinek and you know, talk about your why, like all these pieces and it just it's an equation to keep moving forward and create success, you know, in your life one way or another. You just gotta be patient and consistent. Or not consistent, but um, yeah, consistent and just yeah. keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So this is I mean, you've spent a third of your life with this story, this experience now that I'm that is put it that way, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and now you've gone down this path where you are sharing with so many others, you are helping so many others through way of your story. Do you ever have moments where you feel tired about, tired of talking about it or, you know, you feel like you're repeating the same thing over and over again or, and you don't want to keep talking about your story or is it something that helps push you knowing that it helps other people so in short no um but more complex uh the beginning of sharing in 2010 i kind of was like oh, this just feels redundant like this is stupid no one cares um but i was more worried about myself that's why i had that mindset as i moved forward and then people reached out uh to share um you sharing helped me whether it was i picked up the bike again i'm 45 you know i thought i was done or you know i had an injury as whatever kid or anything like any obstacle that someone was facing that they heard my story and shared with me like thank you because that helped me that's when I was like man there's something to this and it just just there's times where I question I'm like man like am I just like I feel like I'm repeating myself all the time but I'm never anything negative about it I'm never bored of it I'm never sick of it I just question like it's because I'm trying to like help people so I think like my sharing the same thing is this doing anything but I understand there's different audiences there's different people there's different times where I've heard the same message multiple times over my life and it took that one unique time for it to click and so yeah now in short I, I don't I don't mind I mean I actually pursue uh, you know pursuing sharing more now with the speaking and 
writing and things like that, you know, working on uh, two different books and then getting into public speaking, you know, it's, these are scary things for me, but of course, like, I, it's because it's new, you know, it's not me just padding up and going and do some tricks with my bike, like, I've been doing that for over half my life, so, uh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't get, you know, boring to me or, um, you know, feel like, you know, why am I doing this or anything like that, it, it was, you know, like that in the beginning, but now I just, I'm just on purpose now, and like, I know sharing is, like, I get, the more I've been sharing lately, the more and more people are DMing me or commenting, just like, oh, so-and-so has a brain tumor, I had, like, my kids do, or, like, whatever, and your story helped, like, or not even brain tumors, just anything, yeah. uh, and that's why I talk about that mindset piece so much, not so much about brain tumors, I tie that in to give some context, but, uh, you know, it, it all is just a choice in the mind, and so, yeah, I love sharing, like, I mean, as you can tell, like, I just ramble, like, I just... I love talking about these different pieces because in my mind, if it can help one person in one way or another, then like that's I'm winning in life then because success to me is being healthy, happy, and helping people along the way. It took a lot to develop that that belief, but that that's what I believe in today is being successful. So no matter amount of money and materials or anything like that, it's just being are you completely happy and healthy, and are you helping people along the way? It's the biggest determination for me if someone's successful or not. Exactly. And I'm a big believer that you go through experiences in your life to learn certain lessons and then to, in turn, teach people those lessons. And you are a perfect example of that. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things, too. Like, I I believe I had to go through what I had to to get to where I am now. But I don't believe everyone has to. I believe mm-hmm. that it's a choice. And for me, it took that to see that choice. And that's why I share so much because I don't like my, my whole mission of this is because I want people to learn from my story and not have to suffer or have something as catastrophic happen to them as I had to happen multiple times in my life to develop these skills and these perspective pieces, which at the end of the day are simple. It's just a matter of choosing what you're, you know, which way you're looking really. It's more complex than that, of course, but it's, it's not easy, but it's simple, you know, and that's what I want to share with people. It's like, I needed that, but you don't, it's just a matter of choice. So what do you want to choose today? What do you want in your life? And what are you willing to do for it? Exactly. It's a matter of making all these tiny little choices throughout your day, too. But I mean, you guys know Dr. Joe, like, every day, like, I don't know how many choices. We have, like, fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Mm -hmm. You know, how many choices do we have? Like, and that's where the subconscious autopilot kicks in. People get stuck in these ruts, and it's insane. Like, I'm super fortunate not to have worked, like, a 9-to-5 since I was 16 when I was landscaping, you know, um, and just the autopilot, like, it's just, I've been there, and I see these people that, like, I have friends that are my age that are locked into these things, and, like, these routines, they get, and then gets the house, they get the family, and then they're just stuck, and they're so overwhelmed, they don't know how to get out of it, because now they have responsibilities of another life besides themselves, you know, and so it's just, there's so many choices we have every day, and those small, even if it's small, like, even if it's going left instead of right, those mm-hmm. add up. And it's just about that conscious, you know, effort towards it. And, I mean, I don't have to explain it. You guys know. But. No, but that's really <laughs> powerful. Out there, go check out Dr. Joe's work. Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's great. It may take yeah. a minute to get a hold of, but. <laughs> that would be a fun conversation. <laughs> oh, man. I, I look forward to the day I get to meet him. Yeah. You will. <laughs> you absolutely will. But I think no, you're I'm totally. A mastermind if he, held, he holds, and uh, I forget where they are. But my friend sent me a live recording of the most recent one. My friend, like, he's all about it. Like, he purchases all the, the live uh, 
great he does seminars that you can purchase and you, you can go to you know you can go watch there but yeah he's like you're gonna go to one of those retreats and everything like yeah it's a hell yeah <laughs> we might see you there yeah, yeah. we'll plan it <laughs> absolutely well you really are just inspiring so many people by sharing your story there really is so much power in your story and I really love what you said about how you believe that you needed to go through that to make that choice, but you don't think that everybody has to go through something like that to make make that choice. And I think that's extremely powerful because sometimes people who do get stuck in the routine and in the minutia think, oh, well, like you said, I have these responsibilities. This is what I need to do. This is the path that my life is in, and that's just how it is not realizing that we all do have the opportunity to make these choices no matter if we hit rock bottom, no matter if we have a traumatic experience or what. And so the more that we can make these little steps each and every day to get closer to that higher self, to being that person that is happy, is healthy, healthy and is serving other people, that's the ultimate goal. And you can accomplish that without having to go through an experience like like you had to yeah i mean depending on which uh, route you want to take i mean spirituality says we have everything within us it's just you know that perspective of fostering you know like that i'm already happy because we already are you know <laughs> it's just a matter of choosing that um and then uh you know uh, something my friend uh dave uh, when i was talking about earlier something that he said to me that it was really profound and he was like you know dude you're perfect where you are now like everyone's perfect where they are now but it's a matter of acknowledging that and then choosing how you want to move forward mm -hmm. it's not about dwelling on all the past like my, i mean if you see any of my posts i always refer to failure as data it's not failure it's just totally. look at it it's information and i learned that from bmx like oh i fell not oh i failed i should give up it's like i fell what do i do to land this trip that applies to life that's why i believe it's so important that everyone has something passionate about that they're passionate about in life, whether they're making a living off it or not, just something they love to do that isn't just, oh, you just started doing it and you're the best. You know, like, you're the LeBron of, you know, art right away. You know, it's a horrible analogy, but I don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it. It worked. <laughs> so, I think that's what helped me so much, and that's why I share BMX so much, because that, to me, you know, saved my life on more than one occasion. But I also think that people have something they're passionate about, not just going into work and doing it because most people don't love what they do I mean, that's a fact like the majority of our society hates what they do or they just don't love it so they're just doing it to make money but why not uh, foster the belief that you can do something you love to make money and yeah. mm -hmm. that's what i learned you know in my journey and so you know developing the mindset that you're perfect where you are now and if you want to you know become better or you want to improve your life just fostering the gratitude piece i mean i think that's what progresses anything in life is gratitude for you have now because if you're not grateful for you have now, how can you expect to have more? I mean, it doesn't make sense. So. Right, right. And gratitude can be the catalyst to push you in the right direction to start making those choices that are going to lead you to the thing that you want to get to. But another point, a great point that you made is that it's all a choice. With every moment of every day, it's a choice. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I love saying that our reality is just a manifestation of the choices we make. Mm -hmm. To me, that's all it is. And your thoughts are a choice. You can choose yeah. what thoughts to believe, what thoughts to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And your thoughts are incredibly powerful. They 
are in control of a lot of what's going on. So yeah, <laughs> like like what your tattoo says. When when did you get your tattoo in this journey? Um, your arm. arm I forget the exact date. Yeah, it was uh, it was February 2016. Um, yeah, it was the first tattoo I ever got. And so my right arm says "Fierce as a thought," and the left arm says "Thoughts We Change with Trusted Forums." Um, but yeah, it's just something I uh, I feel strongly towards, and I was yeah. I'm, that's right. I like getting a tattoo, but thinking about it, I was like, oh, this is a great reminder. So that's a get it done. great, great reminder. That's been like my slogan for Josh Perry ever since I got it done. So it's just, I mean, it makes so much sense to everything I believe in and live by and share. So yeah, I, I love it. That's amazing. Totally. And you know, what better place to put it than your arm so that everybody can see it and be reminded of it when you are riding or when you're making your smoothies. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because people see a portion of one side or the other and then they're like, oh, what does that say? And then I put my arms together and I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that. And I'm like, yeah. And then they talk about the story we get into and it's just a conversation starter, you know? So it's a great cool. conversation starter. Love right. it. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Josh. I know that our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this. So where can they find you if they're interested in coaching with you, listening to you talk? And first, you know, thank you guys so much for reaching out. And I know this has been some time coming with scheduling all that. So I appreciate you guys hanging in uh, for having me on. You know, giving me the opportunity and the platform to share. It means the world to me and for people to be interested in who I am and what I do. Like, something I still kind of, you know, I don't know, I can't get over it. Like, it's just so interesting to me. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, of course. And then as far as uh, where people can find me, I mean, any kind of social media outlet that I actually have in use, um, which is like Instagram, for the most part it's Instagram, but then I have a Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all that, but it's just at Josh Perry BMX. Um, and then my website's just at Josh, or not at, <laughs> the website's just joshperrybmx.com, but uh, I'm most active uh, via email or on my so um, as people you know, can go and easily see, I try to respond to every single comment I see um, in DMs, you know, within you know, 24 or 48 hours, I do my best to get to it. Um, but I'm learning the more I respond, the more that come in, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I get stressed out about it, but uh, I just like to let people know, like, I do my best. And uh, yeah, so. And you have some health coaching programs as well, so people can, can learn from you in those programs too. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, I mean, feel free. I mean, my website, you can email me off that or, you know, DM on Instagram. But, um, yeah, we can start there and just have a conversation and figure out what works best. And, Super you know, cool. I don't have any, like, packages or pricing up on my websites or anything. I kind of just work with the individual based on what they need. And I offer my, you know, my um, core ways that I work with clients. But I'm always, uh, you know, I just took on um, two different people, like, just mentoring for free just because, you know, I heard the passion that they wanted to make changes and they couldn't afford things. And I was like, hey. You know, I, I'm able to provide for myself with the things that I do, and I am not about the money to do this. You know, I, I know money's a tool, but I do want to help people, and you sound like you're really willing to make a change, which I don't normally do because in my past, people that get stuff for free just don't commit. It's just it's a waste of both of our times. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just send me a DM or you want to say what's up. You know, I always yeah. say what's up. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's super admirable. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you have... You have filled us with so many great nuggets of information and inspiration in this podcast. Um, is there any like last closing words that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, if anything, yeah, just find the, if you haven't already found it, just keep looking for something that you love to do and do it and just 
enjoy your life, be patient. You know, there's no destination. It's all just a journey, and that's the biggest thing. Just I can tell anything, anyone, just be patient, enjoy the process. You know, if you're not enjoying the process, then you're gonna have a hard time. Amen to that. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate you spending the time with us. Yes, Yes, likewise. I appreciate you.